0: Hey, welcome to Church Project. Um, I'm excited to see what God is doing with us. Just look around. I mean, this is, this is his church. And, and we're just a little section of the church all around the world. Just thinking that we are celebrating Christ this morning with people in Bangladesh and people all around the world today celebrating that Christ has given us a message of hope. And that's a good, that's a good message to celebrate, isn't it? Today, we're going to be looking um, in Luke chapter 16 at Church Project. We're not going to be putting the, the, the verses up on the screen, and so we really ask you to have a Bible in front of you. If you do not have a Bible, uh, you, there's Bibles in the back, left, or you can raise your hand and CJ will bring a Bible over to you. And if you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. Um, we believe that everything comes out of the Scripture, and so we, we want you to have that Scripture in front of you. Today's a, a, a very powerful message. Um, if you've been on our Facebook page, last night I posted, and it's just a small topic, you know, like, is there a hell? Just a tiny topic, you know, and so uh, we're, we're, talkling, we're talking about that today, um, and we're also talking about the scripture, this thing right here. And I hope that we are digging into this, as church project. One of the things that, that we say is we are biblical. Everything that we do is biblically based. If we're ever off of Scripture, then can we close shop? Is that okay? Well, let's close shop. We're going to stay biblical in everything that we do. Um, we're simple. I mean, th- we don't believe that this thing needs to be a big show. Like, Scripture speaks for itself. And when we, we show people the love of God and the, and the Scripture speaks, that's enough, don't you think? That's enough. And so we want to keep everything that we do simple. But we also want to be relevant. We want to speak to Greeley in northern Colorado, and we want to tell him this good news. So church, I'm excited today to get going on this message. Without further ado, let's jump in, okay? Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31 is what what we're going to look at. Verse 19 says this, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day at his gate, He was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. Verse 28, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Verse 31, he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses... And the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. We've been going through church project. We've been going through the book of Luke for about a year and a half now, uh, maybe two years. We've been going through this, and we've been picking it apart. And as we started the church, we said, what a better way to start it than looking at Luke. Luke is a physician. He's detailed in everything that he writes. He wants to give us an accurate account of who Jesus is. So church, isn't this a good place to start as we look at who Jesus is? We build our church off of that, and we live our lives off of that. As we look at this and we read this, there's something we need to be reminded. In this uh, passage particularly, this is a parable. Jesus is telling us a story. We need to be careful when we come across parables that we're not going to fully extrapolate too much truth. Yet, in this parable, it contains all truth. Jesus is telling a story of, about Jesus, of about people in our eternities. So that small question of, is there hell? Has anyone ever thought of that? Probably everybody, okay? That's that's not a small question, but that's what we're tackling in this. And when we talk about eternity and we talk about our lives, if you believe you exist right now, raise your hand. Okay, very good. All right, we're on the same page. We're starting on the same page. If you believe you exist, then you believe something about eternity. I mean, you believe there's something in the afterlife. Just because we're alive right now, and you know that, there's something that you believe about eternity. Some people, they're annihilationists or annihilationism. And I, this is kind of like the Debbie Downers to me. Like annihilationists, if you, you, what you believe is when you die, that's it. There's nothing after death. Like this was, a, this was a good run, right? Like woohoo, no body, soul, spirit. Like this was it. Annihilationists believe that. Talk about Debbie Downers. I, I have a hard time believing that. I mean, I just look at your body. Just look how intricately it's made. Intricately. Did I say that right? Intricately it's made. Look, look, at, look at the world around us. Look at scriptures. Just look around. The world is begging, saying there's so much more than just Aaron Havens. If Aaron Havens is here just for 60, 70, 80, 90 years, and then that's just the end of me, really, what is this life? I have a hard time uh, agreeing with people that are annihilationists. Then, then, then there's also people that believe about eternity, reincarnation. Based on your good works, you come back as a better creation of some sort. And, and then you keep coming back, and eventually, hopefully, one day, you'll, you'll reach nirvana. And that's just a place that's supposed to be really cool. And, and you continue in a physical state. And, and I, have a, I have a hard time believing that either um, as well. I, I can't agree with annihilationists. I can't agree with reincarnation. I believe in Scripture. I believe in this Bible. I believe that when the Bible says there is a real hell and there is a real heaven, that it's the truth. You know, but even, there's there's a sect now, even in Christianity, that talks about universalism. And universalism is basically, there is a heaven and we're all going to go there. And that's a strand of Christian teaching that's going about, and I think it's a terrible teaching. I just can't agree that there is a heaven and every single one of us is going to end up in heaven. Or you can believe what the Bible teaches, that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. So before we even get into these verses, I want, to, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit because some of us may be thinking at this point, okay, wow, we started out strong, way to go. And there's this little question you might be thinking about is, if God is good, why does he let people go to hell? I mean, you, you might have been in conversations like this or had your own thoughts on this. If God is good, why does he let people go to hell? Here's what I believe. God does exist. Can you say that? In your heart, can you say God exists? If you cannot at this point, hopefully today God will continue to pursue you and at the end of even our discussion today, his Holy Spirit will just get you and and you'll know that God does exist. So God does exist. God is good. And the third thing is I cannot understand the mind of God. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts as Isaiah 55 says. And the fourth thing is everything he does is good. So, God must be bad if bad things happen, right? Just ask the reverse of this, okay? Well, then tell me where good things come from. Tell me where good comes from if you believe that. See, I believe that God exists, God is good. I cannot understand him fully, and his ways are higher than mine, and everything that he does is good. The only thing I can base this off of, I've I've been a Christian for 30 years I've read my Bible nearly every day for at least the last 20 years. Um, I'm going to seminary now. I've been through hundreds of messages. I've gone to dozens of camp. Like I've been in this Christianity thing, and I do not have all the answers. I cannot understand God's mind. But I know that there's a God, and I know that he is good. His ways are higher than mine. I will not understand it. And at times, I'm just going to have to trust that God is doing his thing. But I always land on that last question I asked of, Well, God must be bad if bad things happen. Well, okay then, tell me where the good things come from. They come from God Almighty. So in this passage again, as we kind of looked at it, we see at the very beginning in verse 19 that rich people, here's a question, um, we're talking about money. Do you think rich people, just because you're rich, go to hell? There's teachings in that as well. You know, in Christianity, that if you're rich and you have a lot of money, you're going to hell. Well, God has blessed some people more than others when it comes to finances, for sure. And and, and this is what I've seen. I've seen people that God has blessed turn around with their wealth and share and do good with their possessions. And their finances are used to further God's kingdom. Just like every other spiritual gift and every other thing that we have, God says, I'm going to give you whatever you have. Now use everything to glorify my name. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. In fact, if we look at this time right here, Abraham was one of the richest mans of this time. And look at, look at this verse right here in verse 19 as we're talking about this rich man. I mean, he is in purple. He's dressed in purple, Right? Now, purple, that's an extravagant color at that time. You had to get dyes from all around the world to make purple. And you can look throughout Scripture, even Jesus, he was robed in purple as a king, a nobility. And so he's, he's extravagant. Um, if you look at, what does he do? He's sitting at the gate. Well, his gate is also, in other translations, is like a portico, or it's an entrance to a city. Like, this man just doesn't have a shack. Like, he, he's got something pretty good. Like, he's got a little village, and, and Lazarus is sitting there by this, by this place. So, you see him, he's dressed in purple, he has a portico, and, and something to also know kind of about this culture and about this time is that it, it talked about Lazarus was sitting there and longing to eat the crumbs that fell from the table. Well, the extremely rich people, which I think is kind of the parable here, what they would do is they would take white bread, And they would use that as napkins and the bread would fall down to the ground. Like extremely rich. And this is so important as we look at this parable and what Jesus is teaching us right now. Um, I don't think Jesus is saying, if you're rich, you're bad or good. He's just setting the stage because this is what I think he's saying. Living in luxury and, and, and this man is living in luxury. He's living for himself and he cared only about himself. You see this. Because Lazarus is sitting there. Huh. What do you think about this? Have you ever seen people where they've been given extra stuff, extra abundances, whatever it may be, extra skills, extra whatever, but all they care about is themselves? Do you know anyone that's just this way, just this selfish? It is impossible to love God and have the love of Jesus Christ inside you and not love the world around you. It's impossible. This man, he sees Lazarus and there's needs right at his gate. And yet his heart was so hard and he was living for this world. The evidence of a changed heart is a life lived for others. I want to say this again. The evidence of a changed heart is a life lived for others. If I can't meet the needs of my neighbors at my gate, do I really have the heart of God? Luke 10, 27 says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, your strength. And what else? Love your neighbor as yourself. So why does this man end up in hell in this parable? It's not because he's wealthy. It's because God, he hadn't surrendered control of his life to God. He was living a very selfish life. He was taking all his wealth for himself, and he was stepping over this Lazarus guy like he was just nothing. That's a bad heart condition. This man's sin wasn't that he was rich. It was that he was never changed and and never got the heart of God and he never lived for others. This is the gospel message. This is the gospel message. This whole parable is the gospel message. Like we are broken people and we need the love of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ comes and lavishes that love on us. And we can see later in the parable what that means for us. So, okay, now let's get into verse 22. Let's, 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 get, let's get talking here through some verses um, by the way this man the Pharisees that Luke is, and Jesus is talking to right now um, this is the man that all the Pharisees want to be like they're looking at this man with, full of wealth this rich man and they want to be him do you ever look at people and you want to be them I'm just going to throw that out there now let's move on to verse 22 okay the time came when the beggar died and the angels uh, carried him to Abraham's side, the rich man also died and was buried. In hell, well, in hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus. By the way, here's kind of a wordplay for the name. The name Lazarus in Hebrew means that that God uh, God can help me. Like it's a pretty cool name. So something. So, so he looks up and Lazarus is there by his side, verse 24. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Verse 22, we see up there, we see that Abraham, that Lazarus is by Abraham's side, and the Pharisees are thinking this. If you look at this verse, they're thinking, I am part of Abraham's covenant as well. Abraham is my father. And the Pharisees, I mean, they're, they're religious people. They got it all together at this time. And so when Jesus begins to talk about Lazarus, this poor guy sitting Right beside Abraham, they're they're already confused, saying, that's my spot, isn't it? Like, I've earned that spot. Warning, Christians, warning. How many of you have grown up in church? How many of you have studied this Bible? How many of you have been to, you know, VBSs and everything else? And we get in this rut where it's like, I've deserved a spot by Abraham. Like, that's my spot right there. But all along, our heart just has not been changed. Warning, church, warning. This is a love relationship with God, and it's about a heart condition. Look at, if you would, verse 22, let's get there. It says, the time came, the time came. When was that time? We don't know time. God knows time. We can look around right now, and we can see many pregnant women. I would say people, but many pregnant women. Do you know when you're going to give birth? I know when you would like to give birth, <laughs> Do you know when you're going to get birth? Only God knows the lengths of our days, as Job 14, 5 said. Only God knows the lengths of our days. God knows the time when we will come and when we will go and when we'll be standing before our maker, our creator. No matter how rich the man was, he still ended up standing before his creator. So I want to point out something. The only thing that these two men, the poor man and the rich man, had in common was that dying was their result. That's what ended up. Didn't matter how they were living, what they had, dying was the only thing that they had in common. But look at the drastic differences between these two men and how it ended up for them. So in verse 23 through 24, we look at a lot of incredible verses here, and they really begin to talk about what is hell. What is hell? What are some things of hell? Well, hell, one, if if you'll look at 22, 23, 24, hell is a a very um, real state. You're in a conscious state when you're in hell. It's a very real place. Number two, hell is a place of torment. And we, we also look and we see that in hell, you can, you can get a glimpse into heaven. And, and number four, hell is a place of fire. I mean, it's a place that you don't want to be. It's a bad place. I remember my first experience of hell <laughs> was at a, a, a church in Colorado Springs. And I was probably in second grade, maybe first grade at this time. And some of you may have heard the story. But it was a large church. It was on a Sunday night. And, and we, we go to this church, and I'm playing with my Tonka toys or whatever, you know, in the pew, driving my mom and dad crazy. But then the preacher, I never listened to him, maybe like some of you, you know. But the preacher I mean, he starts like yelling, and now he has my attention. I'm like, oh, okay. Like he starts yelling, and that fire and brimstone stuff, like turn or burn. Like there's a hell, and it's gonna hurt. You don't want to go there. And, I mean, he just started going and going, and I didn't know he wasn't losing his voice, but I was intrigued. And somewhere in that process, I was like, I don't want to go to hell. Like. I don't want to go to hell. Like, it was a scary movie for me. You know, in second grade, that's a terrible thing. And so I remember driving home with my parents, just weeping in the back of the car. And it wasn't like, there's a God and he loves you and it's all good. It wasn't that. It was just simply, I don't want to go to hell. That does not sound like a good place. Well, hell is a real place. These men both died. One of them had lived life his own way, at his own pace, for his own glory, for his own strength, whatever, and where did he end up? In that place. Then we have Lazarus. Lazarus is brought up and he's set before the right hand of God right there by Abraham, and it's beautiful, the differences that happen. Jesus let us know in this parable that this guy who didn't love God and people he didn't have a heart of Jesus Christ. He lived for himself in the world, and, and, not, um, and, and he wasn't next to Jesus and what he was doing, and he lived on his own, and he ended up in hell. In verse 26, if we will look at that. By the way, you'll learn quick. I love bouncing around through, <laughs> through uh, passages in Scripture. One of the things I like the most about Church Project is, is our house churches. The fact that we can come and just whet our appetite with Scripture and that we can go like from this to small house churches and start talking about Scripture and unpacking it and asking questions and relationships, that's the beauty of the church. You know, we see the church of the Old Testament, they met by the thousands in the temple courts, And then they met by, you know, just the dozens in house churches. And I'd encourage you, if you're not involved in a house church, get involved in a house church. You can go to the website, find out where they're at, what time they meet. But it's the strength of our church. It's how we're known. It's how we're discipled. And so get, I'll stop talking about that, but get involved in our house church. So we get to verse 26. And besides all this, between us, you and a great chasm has been fixed so that, Those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Hell is the absence of anything good. Hell is the absence of anything God. Hell is a final state. That's it. We see in verse 26, there's a great chasm. You cannot cross over. It's a final state. We have time on this planet to decide how to follow God or if to follow God or not. And I believe that eternity is set in the hearts. God has set his eternity in the hearts of all men in Ecclesiastes 7 and Romans 1 verse 12. And though although we did not know God, we either knew him or we ran from him. So from the beginning, we see God saying, you know what? Here's the deal. Eternity is set in your hearts. He's telling the world who he is. He sent his spirit to convict the world. And we have a choice as humans. Are we going to accept this love or are we not? The world is without an excuse. Like he says that I have made myself known to the farthest regions of the world. Look at my creation. Like I am seeking and I am pursuing man. Now man, what's your choice? Will you surrender control of your life to Jesus Christ? There's, there's some who believe in like a purgatory. You're kind of in a, in a limbo land and you can get prayed out of that. Well, we can have coffee later if, if you believe in that. Um, I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. We may have a lot of coffee going on here. Uh, but God is saying, I'm pursuing man. And as he looks at all of us in this place, he looks at me and he says, I'm pursuing you. I love you. I've given you my spirit to teach you, to love you, to prod you. It's all that you need, and it's beautiful. So I ask you in this place, do you know who God is? Have you surrendered control of your life to Jesus Christ? Or are you living for yourself, for today, for the luxuries of purple clothes? Which, if it's purple, you probably need to switch colors now. Verse 27 through 31, we get into this sad, sad state. We see this man who had it all. And he goes down to hell, he's in Hades and he's looking up and he's begging. I mean he's he's begging. He's saying, I have a family up there. Right? Send send someone to tell him. And Abraham's saying, I've sent. We've sent the prophets. They have scripture. We've done everything. We've even raised people from the dead. What about Mary and Martha's um, brother that was raised from the dead? They saw that. And this is also a foreshadowing of what's about to come. Like Jesus is about to be crucified and people will see that and it'll be miraculous and yet their eyes are blinded. This talks directly, this parable talks directly about the Bible. About man, are we believing the scripture? But some of us in this place, we say this, God, do something fantastic, amazing, awe me like if you'll just do this one thing like let me see this one incredible thing then i'll believe in you and i'll serve you and it'll be awesome and god's saying i've done everything i've given you scripture the law the prophets i've given you my spirit i've done everything and yet some people just will not believe it kind of reminds me of that that a commercial i don't remember which one it is but remember that the old ladies are in the room and, and and they're like hey I'll defriend you, or I'm gonna post you on the wall and I'll take you off. Or you notice know, this commercial? And the and the lay's like, that's not how this whole thing works. And you know, it's just like, you know, whatever. And 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 Abraham's saying the same thing right here. It's not how this whole thing works. God's not here to ooh and awe you like he already has. Like his spirit's already here, it's already diving into us, he's already pursuing us, he's given us everything that we need. And then the rich man he begs, he begs, Abraham, save my family. Like he had it all, and he's in hell looking back and saying, Save my family. Yet you and I, you and I, what do we do? (sighs) Do we even know our neighbors? Are we serving the world around us? Are we showing them the love of God? This rich man walked over Lazarus, stepped over him. He knew him. He knew him by name. He addresses him by name. He knew who this man was. He had all the power in the world to show him the love of God, and he did not. And yet we, we walk around, maybe not in purple, but we walk around just as blessed, just as loved. And there's a world around us that's hurting, full of pain, full of hurt. Dogs are licking sores. That's gross. Like the world around us is full of pain, and yet we walk around worried about our appearance and what we look like. Church, that's not a church. That's not a, a look around. I don't want to be a part of a church that walks around about ourselves for us, making us look good. When there's Lazarus around us every single day. When I think about this passage, I think about what what God is saying. The love of Scripture should come alive in you. He's given us everything to show us how much He loves us. He's pursuing us. He says, I've died for you. I'm here for you. Yet 90% of Christians never share their faith. They don't know how. They're not comfortable with it. And we've even made it easy. Like, it's super easy. You can even grab one of these cheesy little cards on the table and give it to a waitress and put, we'd love to see you at church. (laughs) Throw it and run off. Like, it's... I mean, it didn't get any simpler than that, but that's just basic. Like, look around. God is doing some incredible things in church. I want to be a part of a church that is showing northern Colorado the love of Jesus Christ, and not just me, because I'm terrible at this. All of us individually walking in our gifts with Jesus coming alive in us and doing what God has asked us. If we're all alive and we're all running after God, look at what's going to happen in northern Colorado and Greeley. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. A church that won't walk by Lazarus's. A church that won't be consumed about who what we are, but what, what God's going to do through us. I want to end with this. God's plan is to use God's people to share God's message of salvation. But most of God's people aren't even sharing God's plan of salvation. Will you let God use you this week? Pray for your neighbor. That's a pretty good start. Build relationships. Be intentional. Don't be about ourselves. Be about Jesus. Be about loving other people. This is a big passage. There's a whole lot in here. I skipped over half of my notes because it started getting longer than I thought. You're welcome. So some of it may not be as clear as possible. That's okay. I'm all right with that. If nothing else happened this morning except for you getting a little hungry about this passage and you're going to go read it because I confused you, then amen. (laughs) You opened your Bible and you went for it. Right on. That's a church I want to be a part of. When I read about hell, I think, oh my, I don't want to scare people away from hell. I want to love them towards Christ. I, you and I, have such a short life. Our prayer should be, God, please help us to love others and share your message with as many people as we can. God, please use me to take this message of love to anyone and everyone that's why we're in Greeley make this a prayer as well God please help me fall in love with your scripture to meditate, study it, love it because it's life I'm going to ask us right now if you would just close your Bibles uh, close your notes um, if, you're, if you're comfortable with it I ask you just to put your hands out in front of you this is a, this is a physically submissive state palms up Just saying, God, I receive. I'm not here to fight you. Like, I receive, and I give you control of my life. So I ask you in this place, this is between you and God. This is the the time of the the whole gathering I pray the most for. Because my words are just jumble-jumble. And I pray that God uses them. But right now, God can speak to each and every one of you personally. So if you would, just close your eyes and hold your hands in front of you. Just say, God, I'm here. And I may be tired, I may be exhausted, I may be, just insert what, however you're feeling at this point. We oh, God, I give you myself today. God, please fill me. Give me strength. Let me find my identity in you. Maybe if you're here and you don't know who God is, just ask that question. Say, God, please show me who you are. I want to know more about this love. God, please speak to me. Some of us, as we were looking at this parable, just kind of hurt a little bit as we think about our lives, how blessed we are. So ask yourself this question. Say, God, please search my heart. Am I living for myself or am I living for others? God, if it's for myself, I'm so, so sorry. Please forgive me of that. I I want to serve others with everything that you've given me, every ounce of who I am. People hurting, and, and I want to serve them and love them in the way that you would. God, please give me the strength, the patience, the time. Like, make l- help me make that a priority, God. And some of us, yeah, myself included, we get we get caught. I'm saying, God, just show me this or do something big or miraculous like fireworks, like explosions. And some of us in this place, God is saying, I've shown you who I am. Are you just gonna be still enough to listen? So in this place, let's quiet our hearts. Say, God, you're not in the the fireworks and the amazing, amazing things, but in this place, can you be in this still moment? Let us align our lives with you. Repent of the way that we're doing life our own way. Align our lives with you, God. So that we can experience this love. And we can help the Lazaruses on our doorsteps and all around us in northern Colorado. Church, if you would stand. I want to pray for us and kind of instruct us into this next movement. In this place, we're going we're gonna to do two songs and in here. If you have kids, I'd encourage you, just stay in here and, and worship God in this place. But if you have kids, after this, just quickly go and take your tag and retrieve your, your children and come back in here so we can worship together. But in this place... Let's not let it be about us. Let's let it be about Jesus and who he is and how much he loves us. Let's raise our hands and say, God, you're holy. God, you're worthy. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. And may we be your mouthpiece to northern Colorado.